Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's time for Homo sapiens extra. Oh gosh, do you know what? I'm going to be asked to be in a West End musical at this rate. Hello listeners. Homo Homo sapiens extra, what the hell is that noise? Oh. This can't be the fire alarm again. Oh my god. This happened yesterday. This was what I was going to tell you about. Your attention please. A fire alarm has activated in this area. Please be prepared to leave by your nearest exit if instructed to do so. For once, it's not me. What do I do? Am I supposed to leave? No one else seems to be doing anything. I'm out on the balcony having a look. There's a woman standing on the fire escape. So I'm staying in these flats, right? The fire alarm goes off all the time and everyone has to leave. So this is a really bizarre situation where here I am standing on the balcony. The fire alarm's going off. No one's doing anything. Like literally, no one's going anywhere. Which is a bit worrying, because you're like, hmm, how am I supposed to know when it's the real one? Yesterday, I'd stepped out of the lift and it said there is a fire on this floor or whatever. Found my way out onto the um, what do you call fire escape. Walked all the way down. It was locked at the bottom. Had to climb over a wall. Not very dignified, listeners. Jump out and then went to reception. It's like, hey, what's going on? They're like, oh yeah, this happens all the time. Don't worry about it. Would appreciate a bit of information given there is a really full-on alarm system going off on my floor. Tell you what, listeners, I'm going to just pause here, find out what's going on and come back. So, update. I'm out the building. A bit of grass with a bit of shade. The fire engines have come. The firemen have come. Now, do I want to play into finding certain gender stereotypes attractive? Listeners, no. Do I find firemen attractive? Yes. Very healthy, handsome-looking firemen have turned up. There is no fire, it seems, but I'm not allowed back in the building, as of yet. Quite weird. So every time someone cooks, the whole building fire alarm goes off. So we need to find out because it was my floor yesterday as well. We need to find out who, who is the person cooking and setting off the fire alarm on my floor. It's a little bit of a mystery, to be honest. Every time a fire alarm goes off anywhere, I'm like, it's me, because as you know. I love a candle. So I'm normally burning about three at any given time. I do make sure I'm very safe with them on a serious note, but I also every time a fire alarm goes off I'm like, "Oh my god." It's my um what's the one I love? Saint Evil E and which sounds like a funny name. E V A L. Saint Evil. They're amazing candles. They're about 10-11 pounds. They last for ages. But, you know, such is life that I 
um, I'm now going to do the rest of the show from a small grassy verge. Hold tight. There'll be lots of bird noises because all the trees are full of big tropical birds. Update from Adelaide, Australia listeners is... Now, I I understand that many people who are listening are in lockdown, so you may not want to hear this, but Mama went clubbing. Mama went clubbing. Went out, went to Mary's Poppin Bar, Adelaide's premier gay venue. There is no COVID here, so there are not really many restrictions. The only restriction there is, is that you are not allowed to dance in the nightclub. So you go in and it's really busy, but no one is dancing, even though they're playing Rihanna top volume. Thank God. And if someone starts dancing, they get kicked out. So we made, I went with uh, my friend, and we made so many friends in there. It was, um, there were moments where it felt like I was hosting a drinks party, you know, saying hi to everybody, high-fiving with people, hugging. It was really unusual for what we've all been through this year. It was also particularly amazing. I felt like I was among my people for the first time because, you know, queer people in groups come together in venues. You know, often when you're just milling around or doing your thing in everyday life, like you sort of feel like you're you're a bit isolated and you're not with... There isn't an assumption that you'll be with other queer people. So to walk into a room and know that everyone in there is like me in some way I think it just really reminded me of how much you've missed it and to to step over the threshold into those spaces queer spaces is a real real relief and it's such a joy and sense of community and lots of people who feel different have versions of that um it's not just a queer thing but uh it was just properly lovely and you can't dance which is so surreal not that I throw a lot of shapes I was up on the smoking terrace did I have a cigarette Yes. Do I regret it? Yes. But, you know, I'm here to be radically honest, so that's what happened. So that's my news. I think it's time for, one, me to remind you what the hell Homo Sapiens Extra is. Um, Homo Sapiens Extra is where we read your emails and your feedback from previous episodes. You guys write in and talk about the issues that that have come up. We do Topic of the Week, where we talk about a pertinent queer issue. This week, we're talking about having kids. Uh, You guys have been in touch in a big way. So that's going to be great. We do a bit of agony uncling. We also do phone a friend where I talk to someone who is an expert on our topic of the week and get them to give us something other than um, my pretty underinformed opinions. For this topic of the week, I'll be calling best-selling author and journalist Reese Wong, who is a bisexual woman who wrote a great piece in The Guardian about choosing not to have kids. And we do Culture Club, where everyone shares what they're reading, what they're watching, what they're listening to, which has been really helpful in lockdown. I know that much. And we do a bit of news as well. We do a bit of LGBT news. Did I think I'd be doing all this from the middle of a car park in Adelaide when I started this podcast? No. But that is what I love about life. I'm going to flag that people are staring at me. Um, I suppose I'm a guy in a car park with a microphone. Maybe I look like local news. <gasps> I'd love to be a local. This is Chris Sweeney reporting for ABC3. I don't know why I'm American. Although people are going to write in and complain about my accent, because they always do. What did you think of our interview with Adam Kay? NHS doctor turned author, turned comedian, turned all-round brilliant person. If you haven't listened to it, it's back on the feed, um, as they say. People are loving our recent um, Trailblazer episode with the lovely MJ Rodriguez of Pose fame. Dominic got in touch on Instagram, said such a beautiful episode to listen to out on a run today for that boost of serotonin. Well, 
Thank you, Dominic. And speaking of someone who has just done a run themselves um, prior to Firegate, I cannot agree more. If you need a bit of serotonin, which is in short supply in these times, honestly, moving your body, running around, jumping up and down is just so good. Even for like, I did a run for seven minutes the other day because I had to join a call and I was like, but I just need to run to change my mood. And it worked, I'm pleased to report. We also had a message from MJ herself this week. It was such a pleasure talking to the amazing two icons and I just appreciate all the love and upliftment that we spoke about that day and had so much fun. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's so sweet. Thank you, MJ. What a lovely person. Um, More of you have been getting in touch about your own experiences with body image um, off the back of our episode where we discussed, the question was, does the queer community have a problem with body image? And I think, this is what I love. Oh little meeting going on in the park next to me. Keep it down, trying to record a trying to record one of the Guardian's top ten podcasts of twenty twenty one over here. Um things that have come to light, you see, so what's great is we sort of do these discussion episodes and then people start writing in with other new views. Things that came up, one of our listeners wrote in talking about we didn't cover enough the queer female perspective. Also we didn't cover enough of the trans perspective on the body image stuff which contains so many specifics. And then we've had two more messages about certain angles on it that we may have overlooked in our first discussion, which is so great. So first up, we've got something from Dan. Dear Christopher, I've been listening to Homo sapiens over the past six months or so and love it. It's a great thing to hear all these viewpoints from across the LGBTQ plus spectrum and feel that connection, especially while we're unable to make real life ones during lockdown. I must, however, take issue with a point raised in last week's podcast about body image. We do have a problem in the community with body image and the way in which we raise up the stereotypical white cis muscular young man as the pinnacle of desirability. Well, there you go. I sort of just did that with the fireman thing. But I have noticed a growing aggression from some progressives within the community towards guys who do enjoy presenting as stereotypically masculine. I understand it's very important to make sure all body types and the ways in which people like to present are important and should be equally visible in gay media across the board. However, I don't think it's helpful to attack those who do enjoy stereotypical appearances of masculinity. I have a friend who is very popular and well-known online and presents as old-school masculine and recently had a tirade of messages from someone berating him for toxic masculinity. The friend in question is a lovely individual, actually identifies as pansexual, loves guys who present as feminine, and was hurt by this unwarranted attack based on his appearance. So my point is that although it is important that we push for more diversity in image and representation within the LGBTQ plus community, it shouldn't be on the basis of attacking those who happen to enjoy presenting as masculine in a more traditional old school way. Keep up the good work, Dan from London. Thanks, Dan. Much appreciated. And we hadn't covered that angle. It's really interesting. And it leads me to think of perhaps a even bigger question. Big truck driving past. Is that... I suppose the persecution queer people have ever received is about sitting outside of the norm. And our argument is it's all a spectrum, let us be who we are. And that's gender, sexuality, gender identity, everything. And what you're talking about, Dan, is that within our spectrum, masculinity and femininity should be able to be apportioned to everybody. I wonder if this is about that if we're going to allow people who are expected to be masculine to be feminine and we want people to understand that we also need to make room for people who just are masculine and that doesn't make you not queer 
It's about opening up. Everyone can be anything they want is the kind of the end goal here. And the persecution of each other is something we all have to be mindful of. And, and I certainly do, you know, because there can be trauma attached to suffering at the hands of people who are hypermasculine, who have pointed out your lack of masculinity. I know that I had that, like people were like, oh, you know, when I was a kid, like, Chris Weenie, you're such a girl. And they're always kind of the more masculine people doing that. So you can then sort of demonize those people. But actually, there are going to be people who are they feel comfortable in their skin as being masculine. And that's what they want to do. And that is as valid as anything else. It's important to remember that. Looking up at my window in my hotel room, I left my door open. I left my balcony door open. I hope no one goes in and steals my Aesop room spray. Another angle, another another interesting email from Michael. Hi, Chris. Like a lot of people, I listened to the body image episode. Thank you, Michael. And I wanted to share my own experience of body image issues. My whole life, I have felt far too skinny. For a long time, it caused me a huge amount of stress as the stereotype of the buff gay man just felt as unattainable to me as it does to many larger people. And body positivity conversations always seem to be synonymous with being over and not underweight. Body positive adverts that portray a range of shapes and sizes rarely show underweight men. The term skinny is also used flippantly. Actually being too skinny is not a desirable body shape for most men and and doesn't often exist in gay representation. When you're slim, people also think it's fine to comment on it. But you're so skinny, you need to eat a burger, mate, without any comprehension that someone could be incredibly self-conscious about it. Thankfully, I'm more comfortable with my body as I'm older and have naturally put on a little bit of weight. But those feelings will always be there to some degree. Hope that gives another perspective. And maybe other listeners feel the same as me, Michael. Thanks, Michael. And please, if any other listeners feel the same, please write in. Any other perspectives? Please keep writing in. Let's keep this conversation going. New angles, all appreciated. So let's go to a different kind of email now. A couple of weeks ago, we interviewed the wonderful Russell T Davies, which I'm going to say it blew up online this episode. People went bananas for it. We had more messages we've ever had about anything. He was talking about his new drama, It's a Sin, which has touched many, many people. And Lucy has gotten in touch with with her memories of working as a junior nurse on an AIDS ward in the late 80s. As a 20-year-old student nurse doing my nurse training at a London hospital, I was allocated to the AIDS ward for six months. My overwhelming memory is that they were all young and beautiful, and they were all scared. My other strongest memory was that they did not have their mum by their side or any of their family. The families generally did not visit. The stigma and the fear was real. Us students sat with the dying. We held their hands. We hugged them when nobody else did. Please don't think they all died alone. We were there and we held their hand. For all those young men who did not have their family around them, who died so young and nobody cared, there was no public outcry that I can recall. Not the right sort of outcry anyway. I always hoped they would be remembered, their story told. Others need to know of them, their bravery and courage. Their families need to be able to be allowed to remember them. I can imagine there are many people who are re-grieving for their lost son. The It's a Sin programme is a truly non-judgmental account of what I remember and shows the true tragedy of the time. The gorgeous men and those who helped them. Thank you. Oh, Lucy, what a lovely email and what an amazing thing that you did for those people who were so unjustly ignored and ostracised. And thank you so much for taking the time to write in and share that story with us. Please get in touch with us. We love hearing from you. So email your comments or your agony uncle questions 
which will always remain private to hello at homosapienspodcast.com. Remain anonymous, I mean. Get in touch or stay connected on Instagram on at homo sapiens or via Facebook at homo sapiens podcast or one word. As we head into some LGBTQ plus news, I'm just going to pick up my little bag, try and move into the shade. Maybe I'll go in full sun, actually. I'm worried about sitting on the grass. I'm going to sit in direct sunlight, which might be a terrible error in these climbs, in these climates. Can you hear that? Tropical birds. I'm wearing Fact 50, by the way. Anyone who's listening and wearing Burmy. A bit of LGBTQ plus news. A headmaster in Britain makes education history by coming out as gay during an online school assembly. Oh, this is lovely. So this is from Pink News. Nicholas Hewlett said a conversation with a student who spoke out about being gay bolstered him to do the same ahead of the school's LGBT plus week. I was so blown away by the courage of him. I thought then of my own situation and thought, this is ridiculous. Here I am as a happily married gay man and the children do not know that at school. There will be kids who are struggling with their own sexuality and who would benefit from knowing that you can be happy and gay and I have a privileged position to show them that. Quite right, Mr Hewlett. He knows very, very few openly gay heads, none of whom have come out in front of their school. Fifteen years ago, I was told by a senior colleague in the school I was then working in that as an openly gay man, it would be virtually impossible for me to become a headmaster. Hewlett continued, My only regret is not doing it earlier because seven years of children will have gone through the school without the benefit of a role model. What a lovely thing to say. The message is simply, have the courage to be true to yourself. Sexuality should never be a barrier to success or happiness. Couldn't agree more. Mr Hewlett, thank you so much for... Um, do you like how I'm calling him Mr Hewlett, even though it's just... I, I love the idea of a teacher. Thank you so much for sharing that, because you, you, you don't know how brilliant the stuff you're going to do, with um, the brilliant the work you're going to do for kids is by doing that. Um, little calendar reminder to do my physio. Oh my God, I had dry needling. It's a, a dry needling is like acupuncture, but it goes through just into muscle, not into nerve. And I had it on my neck, which is always really stiff because I spent my life looking at a laptop. And you feel so tired after it's for like two, three hours. It doesn't hurt at all. It's just you sort of feel like it's stirring up a load of like wooziness. That's the best way to describe it. Life changing is all I'll say. Speaking of wooziness, do you want children is the question we're asking you lot this week. Would you, as a queer person, like to have kids or not? And have we moved on from the idea that to be a sort of constructive adult, you need to have children or to be a constructive family even? One thing me and my husband talk about a lot is that we are a family. Us two are a family. Us two and our dog are a family. And we make decisions as a family. And I have found that really useful. And not just in the dog food aisle of the supermarket. Do you want kids? And if you don't want kids, do you feel a sense of guilt about this? And I wonder if the answers are different for people who identify as men listening, the people who identify as women listening, the people who identify as neither of the above. I imagine the answers are so specific and different. We always ask you lovely lot on social media first with a poll. If you don't follow us on social media, it's at Homo Sapiens on Instagram. We don't have Twitter because Twitter is where people are mean to each other. Do you want kids? Yes or no? Well, the results are in and the results are resounding. Nearly double the amount of people who said yes said no. And I think that is fascinating because I actually thought it would be the other way around. And I myself want to have kids, so maybe that's my unconscious bias. 
Wouldn't be the first time. Okay, so lots of great comments from you. A couple of school teachers getting in touch on a broader, on a sort of broader uh, spectrum. Portland in 1988 says, I teach them, that's quite enough. Um, <laughs> then the other end of the spectrum is, uh, Darling Darling says, absolutely I do. I'm a school teacher and, and I cry every year when I have to say goodbye. Bless, that's so sweet. James Bishard says, no, total vanity project for gays. If you care, foster or adopt, in my humble opinion. Um, Tatusha says, I'm a single mum of one. I want two to three more. Go for it, Tatusha. Tall Englishman 99 says, I do, but I'm 46 and single and I wonder how I should navigate all the options. Well, may I point you in the direction of Some Families, a great podcast about being a queer person and having a family which uh, could be a very useful resource for for you tall englishman 99 also you're 46 my dad was 50 when he had me please don't let age be a consideration all people need is love tj weath says i did when i first met my partner five years ago but the older i've got the more i don't want kids interesting i see i see that quite a lot with couples who when they individually got together they sort of wanted they saw kids in their future but as a pair have decided that they as a family don't want kids richard keeling says no i really enjoy doing what i want to do when i want to do it and i love lions richard if i can take out one thing from talking to my friends who have kids you don't get lions so go forth i say Kelly Tello says, would love to, but I suffer from ME-CFS, so not able to. I'm too unwell. I'll just have to be an awesome auntie. Oh, Kelly, well, you sound like the most awesome of aunties. And you know what? The awesome auntie is such an important role. And Sue Perkins, when she came on this podcast, still available on the feed, guys, if you haven't heard it. Um, she talked about being the sort of the cool auntie and her family and how her nieces and nephews all kind of talk to her and tell them stuff about themselves. Private stuff that just being a cool auntie means people tell you that they won't tell the parents. And it's a really, really important role. Jack uh, says, just adopted a three-year-old, so I'm going to say yes. Let's hear from Rosie with an interesting take on the parallels between queerness and deciding not to have children. Hi, Alan and Chris. As a femme lesbian who doesn't want kids and whose friends are generally pretty liberal, I find it interesting that I've definitely come up against more resistance when I tell people that I don't want kids than when I tell people my sexuality. And I'm not saying that the choice not to have kids is comparable directly with sexuality because obviously sexuality isn't a choice. But all the same, I find it interesting I think it shows some of the work that we still have to do in society and the way that we treat women in that we use the same tired phrases in reference to the choice not to have kids as people used to often use in reference to sexuality. So I hear all the time, oh, you'll change your mind. It's just a phase. That is really fascinating. And it's really interesting. Makes me think of that whole concept of like, when you say you are queer to people or when you say you don't want kids, the sort of unifying response can be people sort of saying, right, OK, so you're saying that, but you will return to the status quo at some point. You will come back to the pack and how the pack operates and thinks. And actually, progress is everybody needs to get their head around the fact that the pack doesn't exist and everybody being different is the absolute optimum situation and everybody should be able to choose to do whatever they want whether that's sexuality or having kids or any other thing 
Kieran has been in touch on Instagram. Myself and my husband became foster parents before Christmas. Congratulations, Kieran. We had been in training and planning for this for three years and finally had a child placed with us. We felt simply that we can offer the same level of care to a child as anyone else. And for ourselves, we felt it was the natural extension and progression to a relationship. Some couples will not want that, but that is the case in non-LGBTQ couples also. Too right, Kieran. It should, though, be an individual choice and not a gift to gay couples from the state, as is sometimes the case, at least here in Ireland. Thanks for that, Kieran. And when you were saying um, we knew we could offer the same level of care to a child as anyone else, absolutely right. Queer parents are just as a, a, a capable of, of raising kids. But also what I have heard anecdotally from people I know who have adopted and fostered is the local authorities have been amazing at supporting them as queer parents so that's a really good thing to know ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Um, Alistair has sent us a voice note about the environmental cost of children. Hi. So. I just wanted to preface what I want to say. I'm not advocating for queer people never having biological children or, you know, preaching for the end of the human race. But I do think deciding not to have children is a valid option if you're very conscious about your impact on the climate. It's one of the most effective things to reduce your carbon footprint, like more than following a plant-based diet. It makes a lot more sense for queer people to adopt specifically for that reason so yeah that's just my two cents brilliant brilliant and thank you for that alistair one thing you made me think of there was that it's not just assuming anything in life whether that be having kids or anything else not assuming anything is your right to have it we should never assume that we can automatically deserve to have anything we should consider thoughtfully what the impact of what we're doing is and it doesn't have to be about children it's about um, I suppose we are waking up to a certain sense of entitlement on planet Earth and what that effect is. Dan got in touch about the joys of adoption. Just in a nutshell, I guess, my husband and I, there's, there's 13 years difference between us, he's 52, and I had to convince him really to adopt. He was kind of from a generation where he didn't really feel it was possible, whereas I thought it was. Our boys, we've had them in our family now for 12 years um, they're 17 and 16 and I guess the joyful thing really is that the older they get the closer we all become as a family and we've had to deal with quite a lot of difficulty uh, and people maybe not on side both from the gay community and heterosexual community who didn't think it would work or it was the right thing to do um, so for me there's joy in that really in making it work and 
you know, it's just something to celebrate, I think. Artie Dan, you're amazing. Thank you so much. What a lovely message. I'm so thrilled that you've had so much joy over the past 12 years. Paul on Instagram said, I wanted to have kids for my entire life, but the worry about how to have kids as a gay person meant I didn't come out to myself until this year, age 30. Paul, congratulations on coming out to yourself. Even then, it has taken months of research and a year of therapy to move the beyond the I don't want a relationship, but I want kids phase to a point where I feel like I deserve to both be a gay man in a relationship and a parent. Congratulations, Paul. And you had a year of therapy. Well, listen, I've had therapy for 10 years and uh, in a year, that's an amazing feat is what I'm trying to say. I'm still faced with a daunting prospect of finances should entering into parenthood be a human right question mark and logistics of how this might work in my future. This worry and uncertainty has been particularly exacerbating for me as a teacher, being around kids of cis-het parents who are often just terrible. We face a lot of judgment from society for wanting kids as queer people. I think that most queer parents feel the pressure to be phenomenal parents as they are more scrutinised than their straight counterparts. I hope that one day queer parents can aspire to be just as fallible. That's so nice. Yeah, we do put um, extra pressure on ourselves, don't we? Mr. Happy Chippy says, Dracania compacta compacta, uh, which is Latin. And then actually later on, he sent another message saying, sorry, that wasn't for your poll about having kids. It was because I was sending someone the name of a plant. I accidentally sent it to you. But, you know, listen, Mr. Happy Chippy, thank you for your contribution to the discussion. Okay, so let's hear from a really wonderful person, Reese Wong. She's a bisexual woman who wrote a great article for The Guardian in their series on choosing to be child-free. And I loved it. It was so great. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. But she basically questions why we still view having children as a moral sort of imperative in the 21st century. So I'm going to give her a call. Hello. Reese. Hi. So it's like 3 a.m. where you are, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> so what's all that about? You work through the night. I do usually, yeah. Um, especially with the pandemic and working from home, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm very nocturnal. And uh, mm. so, yeah. <laughs> I'm calling you to talk about having kids and 3am is when most new parents are up and about, actually. So maybe you're more cut out <laughs> for it <laughs> than we all think. But I wanted to talk about LGBTQ plus people having kids. And there's so little about not having kids, you know, as a, as a decision. It's not spoken about enough. And you identify as a as a bisexual woman, correct? Yes, yeah. What you wrote so beautifully about in your article is this assumption that you would want kids. Why wouldn't you want kids? Did you find there were any specifics about that that related to being a bisexual woman? Hmm. I know this varies for people, um, mm. but for me, at least, like my whole life, I've known I didn't want kids, you know? Mm. It never made sense to me. And my whole life, of course, like people have been telling me I'll change my mind, that I don't know what I want, essentially, is what it, <laughs> is what it sounds like. <laughs> mm. um, and I just never had the desire. I don't think that that would change at all. Well, I mean, I guess this is impossible to think about, but mm. it, I, I don't think that would change according to my sexual orientation in any way. Mm. It just it just feels like such a fundamental part of me that I mean but it's not of my sexual orientation, so <laughs> I don't <laughs> How has the reaction gone from people when you've told people that you don't want to? I think I've learned over the years to sort of soften my refusal, you know? Like I'll just say oh, you know, like not for now or um or that's mm. not something we're really thinking about right now mm. because of the sort of 
the force and like the velocity of the pushback I've come across where people say, oh, you'll change your mind um, or you don't know what you want yet. For me, that always feels hard to be told by people, often people I've just met, you know, that mm. that they know my body better than I do. Um, and something else that I realized over the years is that um, at some point, you know, like, so I am, I'm bisexual, pansexual. I don't really, both both labels make sense to me. Um, mm. And I'm married to a man and I've been married to um, the same man who I, we started dating in college. That's so been a long time. Um, mm. So we, for a very long time, we've been, we've, a lot of people have asked us, um, do you want kids? And at some point I asked my husband, what do you do when you get this kind of pushback? You know, like, what do you do when people say, oh, you'll change your mind or like, you don't know what you want yet. And he said, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we realized that he had, never had this kind of pushback in his entire life <laughs> wow so it's something to do with an expected version of female identity isn't it yeah i think it really is um i think i soften it too because sometimes people get really upset to hear this and, th and that's something i've had some trouble understanding because what what about my own private refusal could be offensive to anyone else um <laughs> Yeah. And and how is it selfish not to want? I think that's all also confused me. Um how is it selfish to not want something? But I think maybe um, my not wanting exactly the life that at least some people want. Maybe that feels like an affront to to their lives. Maybe it feels mm. like I don't know. Maybe there's something about that refusal that feels as though that makes people question their own choices. I'm not sure what it is. A significant majority of my friends don't have children. Um, that said, you know, like I, I know that, um, or, or my understanding is that the desire to have children um, can be can be such a powerful urge that I hold no judgment whatsoever for anyone who chooses to have children. You know, so I'm I'm firmly on the side of everyone should do what they want. You know, <laughs> this is it. It's like all you need for whatever whatever we are talking about in life is a accepted and supportive network for whatever choice you want to make you know and not exactly have what you're saying you know about yourself you are mistaken and that can be that can be having kids it can be your sexuality it can be what you want for lunch you know mm -hmm. exactly did you find any difference between telling people who are straight about it let's say straight cis people and or did you get different reactions from friends of yours who perhaps are queer or, or somewhere on the gender spectrum mm, that's a really good question um i think there is a difference um and i think i think for sure there's a lot less pushback from queer friends and queer people um and maybe that i mean almost certainly that has to do with um if you're queer there are so many ways in which you have to figure out how to live your life in ways that are not necessarily represented all around you. Mm. Um, and so maybe, maybe, maybe that maybe, maybe with being queer comes sort of questioning narratives about who we have to be or what we have to do. Mm. Um, and some people say that it is heteronormative to want kids. What do you think of that opinion? I don't think I would ever um, say that wanting children is heteronormative. I know so many people who don't have children who can't for, for whatever reason or it's too complicated for some whatever reason for whom I know it's just like a central mm. grief um, and a central ache um, and I, I just think 
I think people should get to do what they want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, we do a thing called Agony Uncle on the show, which is where people write in their problems and we try and solve them. And someone has written in with a with a question that you would be brilliantly placed to answer, no pressure. Um, <laughs> would you mind helping me answer this question, Reese? No, not at all. Not at all. I, I, I feel honoured. <laughs> Okay, well, listen, you're very well placed to answer it because it's someone whose experiences are sort of, you know, there's some similarities between what you were describing about your relationship. And so I'm just going to summarise what she's written here. She feels like an imposter in the LGBTQ community because Mm -hmm. she's a pansexual cis woman in a relationship with a cis man. He's actually genderqueer, but, you know, she's written he presents as a cis man. So she says she doesn't feel like part of the queer community because she's been in this monogamous marriage for a long time. And Mm. basically what she's saying, I, you know, think is she kind of presents as a straight couple and therefore she feels like an imposter as being part of the LGBTQ plus community. And she has a bisexual friend who has been with her wife for almost exactly a month less than I have been with my spouse intellectually I know from a queer perspective we are equivalent but from a societal perspective my my spouse and I have a host of privileges that she and her wife are denied any thoughts on getting past this imposter syndrome without making it all about me she says mm, mm. oh that's so hard and I feel as though that's so common um for bisexual people who are in straight seeming relationships um maybe i'll speak about my own experience of um mm. of, of of starting to talk about being bisexual i hope this will help um is the more i publicly talk about being bisexual the more i bring it up around people the more community i've found um yes. especially among bisexual people who just never really talk about it publicly Mm. at this point um i think ever since i started talking about being queer and being bisexual um so many people and 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 i include friends i include strangers so many people have told me that they're also bisexual or pansexual and that they but they just never talk about it because they're in a um straight seeming relationship Mm. um that at this point I, I, I almost like I like so many people have told me this that like at this point I'm just like how many actually straight people are there really like, <laughs> maybe it's a much smaller <laughs> percentage yes. than it's been thought because because there are so many people <laughs> yeah and so I would just say you know like I, I know it can feel really lonely um but I imagine that this person is surrounded by farmer people like them that they know. Mm. This woman is talking about being on the margins and you that the whole point of the LGBTQ plus community is that mm. we together are on the margins and you are just as valid as any of us. And I think talking about it, like you say, actually mm-hmm. maybe to help find some other people will enable you to feel that more because you're what's beautiful about coming out in any perspective in any way is when you feel that golden light of someone who gets you reflected back at you you know you get to talk Mm -hmm. about it and they're like me too you'll find that the more you talk about it like you say and we all are on the margins we're in it together and come to homo sapiens you will never feel like an imposter here because that's what this podcast is about it's uniting people 
Yay! Yes, Yay. exactly. I love that. <laughs> oh, lovely. Well, listen, Reese, I've taken up enough of your time in the middle of the night. Thank you so much. So can I ask one question? So is your husband asleep now? Oh, he's... <laughs> yes, he's, he's asleep. He's asleep. <laughs> so he's asleep and you're awake. That's amazing. Um, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to chat to you. We cannot thank you enough. Please keep your beautiful work coming. Thank you so much. It was, it was a joy to, to speak with you. Thank you for having me. Ah, isn't she great? Reese also, BTW, has just co-edited a book called Kink, which is an anthology of short fiction exploring love, desire, BDSM and interests across the sexual spectrum in all of their glory. It's out now, so have a Google, have a look it up and buy it. Buy it for a friend. Woman going past with a trolley. Culture Club. Let's do some Culture Club. You have all been watching Drag Race UK. I must admit, for my sins, I have not seen it yet because I've been in Australia. However, everybody's loving it. And I've seen that meme flying around about I don't want to see no H&M or something that Rue said. And everyone's been changing it into um, various different things. So that's been quite funny. Chris Sweeney Hair, who is a lovely hairdresser called Chris Sweeney. And he is my namesake. And we have made friends on Instagram because we have the same name. Anyway, he is loving the great featuring the lovely and extremely handsome Nicholas Holt, which has been getting rave reviews. And you've all been loving The Dig. That is probably the, one of the, the thing that you guys wrote in most about. It's a brilliant cast. It's got Carrie Mulligan, Ray Fiennes, Lily James. So the synopsis for The Dig is, In the late 1930s, wealthy landowner Edith Pretty hires amateur archaeologist Basil Brown to investigate the mounds on her property in England. Sounds rather innuendo he and his team discover a ship from the Dark Ages while digging up the burial ground. Hmm. You lot are loving that. Ozan K. LDN has been watching Euphoria, saying it's so raw, gay and explicit. It makes skins look like a sitcom. I loved the first series of Euphoria and I'm dying to see this new installment. Siroc76 has been watching reruns of season four of The Crown. The best line being, isn't he a friend of Dorothy? Hilarious. Which, for anyone who doesn't know, means it's is that person gay? Because Dorothy being Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz, I understand. Joel Myers has been watching Palm Springs. Now, Palm Springs is great. I watched that on the plane over here. It's like two people stuck in a uh, Groundhog Day type situation. I won't say any more than that. It's brilliant. Watch it. It's Alec Jacobs says, not LGBT related, but Black Box on Amazon Prime is really good. Doesn't have to be LGBT related. Richard Keeling says, back to life, brackets, very well directed. Richard, I'm blushing. Bless you for saying such things. Lorenzo is reading A Little Life, which is an amazing book. I will, hands up, say I didn't manage to finish it. But that's because I probably have some form of low-level attention deficit disorder. But so many people have been profoundly affected by that book. So read away. <laughs> Speaking of which, Swimming in the Dark, Matthew 2586 has been reading. That's been on my hall table for about six months. Not read it yet. John Stringer has been reading David Attenborough's Life on Air. Ah, oh, brilliant. I didn't know he'd done a book. He's probably done a thousand. I'm going to get that for my husband because he doesn't listen to this podcast. He'll never know. He did actually listen to the one where I talked about him, Love at First Sight. Also, because I'm an Australian, he's missing me. He is now listening to the podcast. So anything anyone wants to communicate with my husband, send it to me and I'll read it out. And we can test it. We could test him. We could test him as to see if he's been listening. Mama's Boy by Dustin Lance Black. Dustin Lance Black, Oscar-winning writer of 
Milk, the Harvey Milk biopic, also married to the wonderful Tom Daly. Lots of you have been reading Shuggy Bane. Gav Wilco's been reading Shuggy Bane. Shuggy Bane just won the Booker Prize, right? Beautiful story by a gay man. Glenn Moret has been reading Year of Yes, which I, I wonder if that's... Is that book the same book as I read, where someone said yes for a year? Anyway, similar. Richard is reading The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. Uh, I've read it. It's great. Apparently, Dolly Parton is also a fan. So, where Dolly goes, I go, without exception. And Lorenzo Bellico has been reading Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe. That's highbrow. We love a highbrow mention here on Homo Sapiens. It's not all fire alarms and chit-chat, you know. You've been listening to... Okay, I say this every week, but I can only go on what you guys tell me. Jessie Ware, after appearing on The Graham Norton Show, has blown up, and you all have been listening to her new single, Remember Where You Are. So you are wonderful people of taste. As you know, we went on her podcast, Table Manners. Well, I've been on twice, actually. Always a laugh. Celeste is really popular this week as well. Uh, I love Celeste. I love that song, Strange. I've been listening loads to Arlo Parks. That album is amazing. There is a song on there called Black Dog, which I, you know, when you just have a song on repeat. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So have a listen to that if you haven't. Jojo Matthews has been listening to Scott Walker. I love Scott Walker. Amazing documentary about Scott Walker available, made by a queer filmmaker called Stephen Kajak, who is a friend of mine. So go and have a look at that. He's an incredible visionary in music. And lots of you have been listening to the Pet Shop Boys. Someone with a hands over the face emoji. No, no, be proud. Go for it, P. Wiedekind. Pet Shop Boys, they're great. And, oh, here's Sonny's been listening to George Michael. Well, there's always room for George Michael. Now, change of gear here to something really sad. Something really tragic happened recently. The music artist and producer Sophie very sadly died. And a lot of you have been writing in to talk about that. I personally was really shocked and saddened. Sophie is this trans artist who was really transgressive and made incredible music that was very, very kind of gritty pop, I suppose. And Sophie had worked with people like, you know, Madonna and Charlie XCX and Kim Petras, like huge, huge people. And I had always wanted Sophie to come on the podcast because I was a fan and I'm a bit friends with one of the people from one of her record labels and we sort of said we'd do it and then we were going to do it and we hadn't got around to it and you know time passes by and then really really sadly suddenly we hear that she passed away and you've probably seen tributes to her from people like Rihanna and Sam Smith and Rita Ora and FKA Twigs and all these people who she affected with her genius it just has been a real shock for the community would be the best way to describe it so ollie got in touch and and said hi chris i just wanted to email in some words about the unbelievable talent and transgender icon sophie who we have tragically lost sophie was a pioneer and broke so many boundaries in music production her innovative sound created a whole new genre of pop and inspired a new roster of gay icons such as charlie xcx kim petras and slater her art has made a lot of us feel seen and heard in ways that are hard to explain 
Her music production has this way of communicating emotions that are difficult to put into words. There aren't enough words to explain how incredibly important this woman and her work have been to our community. I went to see Sophie twice in 2018, and those shows were absolutely wild. The crowd was full of queer misfits like myself, and the atmosphere was electric. I will cherish these nights forever. May we always remember her. Lots of love, Ollie. Thank you, Ollie. What a beautiful email. We truly will always remember Sophie, and boy, was she taken from us too soon. And I hope everyone who was touched by Sophie is doing okay. Sending you all a ton of love. I think that draws this week's episode to a close. It's been highs, it's been lows. There's been fire alarms and dashing out of buildings. Next week promises to be just as thrilling. Alan and I are talking to the incredible Liz Carr next week. I could not stop laughing chatting to her. She's she's an actress who you probably know from Silent Witness. And she's a comedian and she's an activist. She's a queer woman who has spoken out really vociferously about assisted suicide for disabled people she is a disabled woman has an incredible take on what it is to be a queer disabled woman and what it is to be a disabled person and how they are viewed by the wider society she's full of mischief she's full of laughs we had such a great time chatting to us i can't wait for you to hear that um so make sure you have a listen it gets published on thursday you always get a new episode on a thursday and in the meantime please email your comments questions and agony uncles to hello at homo sapiens podcast.com stay in touch with us on instagram at homo sapiens or on facebook at homo sapiens podcast we love 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 hearing from you so i'm going to do a selfie and i'm also going to take a picture of the fireman and i'll post those both on socials thank you for listening loads of love 